Hello and good morning. I am Courtney King, aka The Heart Mentor, aka The Emancipator, and I'm coming to you live from New York City. You are listening to the Reboot Your Biblical Perspective radio talk show where we identify misguided modern day perspectives of the Bible, giving context to the spiritual dynamics of who and what you are via the lens of Rabbi Yeshua and his apostles in the name. On this radio show, we identify subjects and themes that have been misunderstood from the Bible in the name, verified by pragmatic and experimental research carried out under the Zane Kai Keturah International Institute of Pneumatology. And hello and good morning. This is Tanya Whitkey from Virtual Kisses speaking to you live from Canada. And we would like to give a huge shout out to everyone joining us on Kingdom Purpose Radio, YouTube, and Facebook. If you would like to ask us questions, feel free to come on on YouTube at Anointed Life or join our Facebook group, Anointed Life Mindset Mentors. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Buenos dias todos. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's appropriate. <laughs> right way to say it. Yeah. How are you all? How are you both today? Uh, well, for me, really good this morning or this morning. Well, still waking up, but um, had a, an amazing weekend um, with friends and just enjoying the day. And yeah, really good. How about you, Zane and Courtney? I'm fine. I know I'm gonna. <laughs> I know I'm going to break out my my, my, my Spanish intro. Bueno dia, todo el mundo. Oh, <laughs> blessed assurance. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. You can. Can you say the seven aspects of the name in Spanish? Yeah. Buenos días a todo el mundo y bienvenido al, a los siete aspectos del nombre de Dios. <laughs> and now translate it. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome the seven to the seven aspects of the name. Exactly. It was that what you said? Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I speak a little nothing. I don't speak. <laughs> I used to speak Spanish, people. Everyone listening in Radio Land, I used to speak Spanish. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, Zane El Fuego with us today. You all, we are diving into a series that we are actually going to do over the next two months. That's right. Yes, indeed. And we, you know, at the Institute, it really was the name that got us to this point, correct? Like you just, in your studies Mm -hmm. and your your work as a translator, you were able to ask yourself some questions and the Holy Spirit revealed the name. And people often like, what is the name? And what are you all talking about? So when last week we said, you know what, what if we deep dived over the next several months and just talked about it? And that just lets you know how, how impactful and powerful and potent it is the fact that we can spend two months and more talking right. about the name for real for real. yeah that's so true that's so true for real this is this is actually a subject that it's it's just it um i think this is rooted in something that has become the foundation of westernized christian thought hmm. and that question or that that concept really comes back to one single question what exactly is god hmm. what um, is god not who uh, what is god 
Like, what is that concept? Mm-hmm. Because we have, in our Westernized culture, we have been very, very, very indoctrinated and very, very involved in the whole context of um, who God is and who God is for you. And yes, we understand that it is a person, but what God is, like one of the questions that I, that I ask believers, you know who Christ is, but what is Christ? What is mm-hmm. What is that? And what is that not only with regards to identifying the concept, but what is that within the spiritual or the scriptural paradigm, mm-hmm. the biblical paradigm? What is that? It's funny when you say, what is that? I don't know about you listeners out there, but it kind of gets you thinking, yeah, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) And as you said that, that reminds me in school, remember when they taught you the who, what, how, when, Mm -hmm. where, Mm -hmm. why? Like all of those questions we're able to answer now. Right. Yeah. Because of the name. Yeah. So it's really exciting. And uh, we did part one of the name in the garden. And part two of the name of the garden um, over the last couple months. But um, now we want to really break down these things. So if you are on Facebook and you're in the Anointed Life group, um, you can also drop questions in so that we can even answer those questions for you um, as we're going through this. Um, we, we want everybody to have some clarity on yeah. what it is, who he is, and how he is, where he is. <laughs> Yeah. So true. So true. So I, I think that the, the thing that we want to actually start with here today, mm-hmm. um, to, to uh, as an introduction to the seven aspects of the name is because the name is the name of God, right? Yes. Is the name of the, is the name of God is the name of Oops. is the name of the Lord, um, and that before we could even talk about the name, we need to actually talk about who the name is actually describing, mm-hmm. and that means that. The question is now now becomes very very pertinent at this point. What is God? And mm-hmm. I think the first thing I want to actually pull apart here is that to start to start with the Westernized Christian understanding of God is not the ancient Hebrew paradigm of God. That that's something that we need to divide like the waters of the Red Sea immediately. Mm-hmm. There must be a division. There must be a, a parting of concepts here. That the Westernized perspective of God is not the ancient Hebrew perspective of God. Really? In, in our Westernized culture, we are taught that God is this person that is sitting on a throne in the sky. And I don't know if there is any denomination that does not actually function from that perspective that God is in the sky literally seated in the sky and that he is watching down and you are being monitored from the skies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? The big man upstairs. The big man upstairs. That's how they put it. That's exactly how they put it. The big man upstairs. <laughs> right? Even here within the Caribbean, it's, 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 whether you are a believer, I have heard many persons who are not really avid Church goers even refer to it as the big man in the sky, right? Mm-hmm. Or the big man upstairs. Yes. Right, and this is a concept in particular. I need to make it very clear here 
that this is a concept that is strictly and solely exists within the context of westernized Christianity. Mm. It is not the paradigm of the Bible. And I think people sometimes forget that Jews wrote the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so we have to come from the mindset so true. of a yeah. Jewish person. They literally don't. I never considered, just to be honest, I never considered these people have a different culture. They have a different mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only that, they have a different language. This was written thousands and thousands of years ago. And before mm-hmm. it was even written, it was just passed down. And so... Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Like we think they think like us and yeah. we begin to apply our way of thinking to the Bible. And that's where we've come into this conundrum. That is so true. We assume that these people, these, the, the, the thoughts or their, their, their way of thinking mm-hmm. is very specific or very related to how we think. Yeah. Now, just recently, as a case in point, I saw this is not very recent. This is actually probably about last year or year before last year. Mm-hmm. There was a woman that, that I saw that she, that did a TED talk. Okay. Right? And she did a TED talk on language. Mm-hmm. And she actually showed how not only language, but even... Um, the communication of what I would call the philosophy of our language. She actually encompasses it all in just language, but it's really what she's identifying is the philosophy of the language and showed how different our perspective is which, in comparison to a tribe that was living in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And for example, she showed how we in our culture, we say, well, if we're walking on the road and you give a direction, we say, well, if you're going to this particular place, turn left, for example, go straight, and then turn right, and you will find the location that you're looking for. And she said, in that culture, those words or, the, or that concept of left and right does not exist. Wow. They don't even know what that means. What? And so their perspective is, go towards that mountain turn towards the river, which would be left, then turn back and head, head, head towards that mountain and then um, turn towards the big rock, for example. <laughs> so left and right doesn't exist for them. It's really just using the environment as um, as the navigation mm-hmm. as, a, as a system of navigation they're using the environment as the as their system of navigation so even to say left and right and they don't know what you're talking about wow it's almost like the tower tower of babel right yeah everybody's all together but not really <laughs> exactly so it's it's the same concept that they're looking at i mean you can go to different places and um, what we think that we have developed in our language, in other in other in a, in, in, a, in other cultures, mm-hmm. that concept doesn't exist. Like and slang, actually, for instance. Slang is another good example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is right. And I wouldn't even say slang because it's, it's just even how different cultures express themselves. Mm-hmm. 
So like, even with obscenities, it varies in languages. Mm-hmm. And it even, um, even within the even within the realm of the English language, and I'm briefly speaking about this because even within the, the realm of the English language, um, there are many different countries that actually have their way of actually saying something. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same thing if you assume that you know, you can actually attribute your understanding to what they're saying and, and you have a totally different context. Um, a good example of that is you know, everybody we know the English speaking world is we have the United States, we have the Caribbean, mostly Caribbean is English speaking, you have Britain, there are European countries that speak English. And if you go to the, these different regions, um I like particularly lectured to an, inter- to an international audience for about ten years. Mm-hmm. Almost well, nine nine into ten years, and with that, I actually had to lecture for people from from Europe, from China, from Australia, from Africa, from the U.S., and even here in the Caribbean. And right here, alone in the Caribbean, just just as an example, mm-hmm. right just here in the Caribbean, if I see, um, let's. Let's go down the road. Let's 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 leave and 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 and, and go by the shop or, or or go by the bar. And you go to another Caribbean island and say, "Let's go down the road." Hmm. You go to another Caribbean <laughs> island and they say, "Meet meet me by the bar." All, even if you like, you 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 head up to up the Caribbean islands, obs- the obscenities are different. Mm-hmm. But, but they mean the same thing right so in Trinidad and Tobago we have a particular way of using obscenities and you go to Jamaica and the obscenities are different right what we might say like um, in the United States you say well you go um, you, 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 you're in the hood in, the, in, the, in Trinidad Tobago, they say, well, you're in the ghetto. <laughs> okay, okay. And you might go to Jamaica and they say in the yard. So these 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 are these are different these are different ways of where you you are, you are, you could assume that because you're speaking English that English is the same all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas you right here within Trinidad Tobago, when we say you see somebody in the street, you might say partner or horse. Okay. <laughs> yeah, your partner or, or horse, or you might you may go to um you may go to where you call it to, to, to England, they see you on the road and they say um gov, like governor. You go to the US <laughs> and they might say Partner. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> right, so these words, these words vary. Right, right, right. They do, right? and they mean they mean the same thing, but they're actually expressing themselves differently. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to the Bible in particular, um, this is not only that the Bible is written in a different language; it is written in a language 
that is thousands of years older than this English language. And if anybody has actually done any research into languages of, the, of ancient cultures, I'll give you one example that actually, of a language that, 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 that kind of reflects the sophistication of the ancient Hebrew language, which is a language that has a lot of age also, and that is the languages of Mandarin and Cantonese. Mm. Right? I don't know if you're familiar with those languages, but um, Mandarin and Cantonese are actually languages that they have the, 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 their own pronunciation. And the, for example, the language of Mandarin, it doesn't really have a standard alphabet like how we have alphabets from 26 letters in the alphabet. If you look at Mandarin, you'll realize that Mandarin is a language that has actually been built over time. I know they, they have developed somewhat of an alphabet so that people can actually learn how, how, how the songs are actually pronounced and so on. But when it comes to like the vocabulary, specifically the vocabulary of the language, that is a vocabulary that has been built over thousands of years. And when you write Mandarin, for example, um, if you write the word home, we write H-O-M-E, home. Okay. The, the, the character that represents home in, in, in Mandarin is a character of a, is actually represents a woman under a roof. Hmm. It's like it's, it is like a drawing. So that when you when you say it, the character in itself expresses what that concept is. Does that make sense? That's very interesting. Yes. So you 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 see the language; it is pronounced in a particular way. But when you read the language. The characters actually are drawings, like mini drawings, that give context to the concept to the concept that you are referring to. Right. Now, our English language does not have that, because what you're looking at there is that that language sort of started in times where people actually use symbols, like ancient Egyptian. These are symbols that are put together to express. Um, to express what they're actually referring to. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the ancient Hebrew, like the, um, the ancient, ancient Greek hieroglyphics, these, this is the same concept where you have, um, where, you, where what is being spoken about, there are symbols that are being used to express these, these, um, these, these, these um, t- to express these concepts. No, th- that is different. Like, if you never heard that before, if have 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 you all ever heard that before, though? What symbols and hieroglyphics? Yes. Yeah, like concepts. Yes. Right. Lovely. So, if you if you if you're familiar with that, then now you begin to actually understand what the ancient Hebrew language is like. Right. 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 And that's mm-hmm. over a long period of time, thousands of years, and so. The language in particular evolved over time, but basically in simple form, the sophistication of the language is a lot more than what we have in English. Right, right. So um, even the concept of God, I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of that to weed it back to the concept of God. If you mm-hmm. go back to the ancient Hebrew context of God, 
the word God mm-hmm. has its own picture. Yes. And the picture that is actually used there has nothing to do with what we actually understand in our English language. So it's no man in the sky for the picture. There's no man in the sky in the picture. Well, <laughs> On a throne. The picture? With little, with little <laughs> baby angels around. <laughs> little no bat arrows. Excuse me. What yeah. would be the picture then, Zane? So in contrast to our culture, um, well, first let's identify the concept and then we give some clarity with regards to the picture. Sounds good. So first of all, let's say... I think I could say this openly and 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 um say this with with um most assertively mm-hmm. that the concept that we have of God in our Westernized culture does not exist. Mm. Right. So when I hear, for example, our Westernized community say God does not exist, they're right. In them, in their concept of what God is, it does not exist, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so, the best way, and one of the things in particular, why why am I speaking about this? Because in the context of the scripture, for us to be able to actually reproduce the results that we can reproduce today and do it mechanically, we had to actually come to an accurate understanding as to what God is. Because if you don't understand what God is, in that culture, then you cannot reproduce the results that Jesus was reproducing. Does you have that to sell the same seeds. Exactly. Think the same mm-hmm. thoughts. You have Can't to have the same preparing. thoughts. Right. 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 The thought is what the thought is actually the thought is what is reproducing what they're reproducing. The correct right. thought, accurate knowledge, accurate thought. Mm-hmm. So in their concept of God, one of the things in particular that you see, especially in the Genesis narrative, which is hugely misunderstood, is that the whole concept of the Genesis narrative is based on reproduction after your own kind. Mm-hmm. Right. And if it's reproducing after your own kind, I want you to think about this, and for everybody listening, without me having to read and for me to spell it out, if you're reproducing after your own kind, and breath is breathed into dust and you're reproducing after your own kind, then if breath is breathing to dust, what is the kind is what kind is it reproduced after? The breather. It would be the breather, <laughs> the one that right. breathes the breath. Exactly. And therefore, if the breather, in particular, the person that is breathing it into the dust, has breathed it into the dust then technically what you're looking at is the fact that the concept of God in the ancient Hebrew culture is not this person out in the sky, but just as man was created breath into dust, he's reproduced after its own kind. And therefore, in their context, what you're looking at as God is really the breath of all existence. Mm-hmm. Right? If we want to use, let's say, something simpler to try to understand this, then we can say that the concept of God in the ancient culture is 
the breath of just like the breath is breathing to the dust and the body the dust becomes the body mm-hmm. and the and the breath becomes the is is the person that's breathing to the body in in a simpler form you can say in that culture that what you're referring to as god is the breath of the body of what we call the universe the breath of the universe in the body the body the universe is is like a body mm-hmm. oh, okay right and he is the breath of that body of that universe right the breath that gives that gave life to even before the body was actually it it actually filled that body mm. so in that culture god is all and in all the scripture says that too that 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 is what it means mm. right so when that breath was breathed into the dust that's the breath of the body of all things that exist um all of, of of all existence and even in the context of scripture the context of in the context of scripture even non-existence is existence mm. in that culture existence is existence what we call non-existence is actually existence because in that culture what you're referring to as god is the breath within which there is everything and therefore what you're referring to as non-existence is a category that you may have created to identify the presence from absence but even the absence is mm-hmm. in god he fills all, all of all things he fills all of that mm. so whereas we look at for god in the sky you're technically looking at the person if we want to use the universe as an example as to, to to make it simpler he is the person or the breath that fills the universe yeah that has that has to, let's 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 start with that right and then it says that he created heaven and earth right which, and heaven and earth there is a couplet see we think of heaven as some other location Whereas in the context of the garden narrative, we have read it and we have said, well, heaven is out in the sky and earth is here. But in the context right. of the scripture, heaven and earth is a couplet. Which means when he says, let us create heaven and earth, God created heaven and earth, Elohim created heaven and earth. That is in better, I think, to, and I'm going to use a translator's um, creative license here as a translator. <laughs> To actually put it across, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavenly earth. The heavenly it's almost, earth. It almost sounds as one. It is one. Heaven and earth mm-hmm. is the same thing as saying the heavenly earth. Right? So, that that's first. Now, the word Elohim in the Bible also has a meaning. And, and, here, and here's the meaning here. When you look at the word Elohim in the ancient Hebrew text, what you see uh, is a picture, and I've mentioned this before, is a picture of an ox, which is, you see the horns, the horns of an ox. Great. That yokes himself 
to another. Mm. Right? The the horn, as you see, you see horns, which is what represents the horns of an ox that yokes himself to another. And in their and they, they actually use a very concrete reference point to come to the understanding as to us as to what God is. Or yeah, let, let's let's say we just identify what God is. They use the the, 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 the the picture to identify the function of God. This is actually what God does, his function by his by his title Elohim. It actually shows they used um they use their their the the agricultural culture back then to to, def, to 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 explain and to define what God's function is. And right. in their culture what they will have is oxen that will pull a plow that will actually plow the field to repair the field in particular for planting. Mm-hmm. And so what they will do is attach the plow to an ox or oxen more than one and the oxen in particular will actually pull this plow in an orderly manner back and forth, going back and forth until the entire field is complete. Does that make sense, Ova? That totally makes sense. Nice. So the context of oxen in the scripture now goes into um, the idea that Elohim is the more experienced ox that yokes himself to an inexperienced ox. Mm. And when in that, in that culture, they would usually yoke the inexperienced ox with, with, with an experienced ox because the inexperienced ox could very well be yoked to the ox, uh, be, be yoked to the plow. And if he does not have guidance, this inexperienced ox doesn't have guidance, he can actually take that plow and run all over the field with it and create all kind of different <laughs> disadvantageous patterns. Right? So what they'll do is actually t- they yoke the, 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 the younger or the, the younger and inexperienced ox to the more experienced one because the experienced ox, as a result of doing that for, for the length of time that he, he, has be, um, he would have been doing it, he has a more fixed pattern and when they yoke the inexperienced ox with the experienced ox experienced ox usually takes the position or functions more as the leader to keep mm-hmm. the inexperienced ox in line right until the inexperienced ox gets accustomed to actually functioning in um he gets accustomed to, to 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 functioning, just as the experienced ox was actually functioning. Mm-hmm. Now, that context in, in particular, that concept has a few implications. Number one, that Elohim, being the experienced ox, and anyone who actually refers or comes into contact with Elohim, which is in their culture, what we call God. Right? This is what the New, the New Testament authors in particular knew as God, because all of them were scripturally educated. Torah educated, prophets educated, the scripturally educated. What the Greek 
translated as just God, they would have actually been the New Testament authors would be referring to Elohim. Hmm. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a huge, like a huge destruction for Westernized theology. Because Westernized theologians in particular, they study the, the Greek text, and what they do is they, they try to get the meanings from the Greek text. And when the concept of God that the that the that these authors actually spoke about in the Greek, when it's translated into Greek, they translated it into the word theos that has nothing to do with Elohim. Hmm. It's a very wow. hmm. it's a very different concept, Theos and Elohim. And so our understanding of God is very Greek based because it's the Greek concept of God, Theos. Whereas in the ancient Hebrew culture and the the authors of the text, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, James, the writer to the Hebrews, John. Um, Jude, all of these guys, all of these people are actually Torah educators. So when they say God, they're not speaking about Theos, they're speaking about Elohim. So in their culture, and at that point, at, at that particular time, they would have understood Elohim to be the person that fills all things, that he is all. He is he mm-hmm. is all and in all. Because all like as I mentioned, as I mentioned, the simplicity to keep it simple is like he is the person. Or the breath and the and the universe, the body. And in addition to that, his function is the the more experienced ox, the leader, that actually trains the inexperienced ox to be a leader. Mm-hmm. So in that context, what he's doing is that he's yoking himself to you, meaning that mm-hmm. if he is the person of the universe, the breath of, of all things, and he has breathed himself into dust, and you are that then the concept of yoking equals synchronicity. Mm. That's so amazing. (laughs) The concept of yoking equals synchronicity. And this is actually, by the way, the concept of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God in the Bible is paralleled to Canaan in the ancient Hebrew culture. The whole concept of Canaan and Canaan actually means synchronicity. Canaan means synchronicity. So it is parallel with the kingdom of God in the New Testament. And therefore, that concept is confirmed that Elohim is the one who actually yokes himself to you. And therefore, that translates into synchronicity between with you and the, and, and the person of the universe. If we use the modern day context of the universe. So you have been yoked by breath to the universe, exactly. the body of all things. So in, in this in, in the context of the scriptures, and get this, in the context of the scriptures, if you are living inside of the garden, you do not see the universe as the universe. You identify the universe by its breath. Mm-hmm. Only when you find out yourself outside of the garden do you identify the universe as a thing. So you're saying everything is breath. I'm saying that in the context of the scripture, everything is an expression of this person, is a member of this person. Whilst in the context of, if, if you find yourself outside of the garden, you're no longer interface with the creation, with the universe, person to person, 
you interface it with a you interface it as a thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So this is actually the concept of God and the grave and the massive difference between the concept of what we have been taught and the concept that the scriptures working with, the concept that Yeshua and his apostles worked with. So when you're in the garden, um, a flower is not a flower. A flower is an aspect of the universe, the breath. Yes. Outside of the garden, we have given it a specific designation. And we, we, have, we, have, we have individualized everything. Right. Yeah, right. it's like we took it apart and we just called yeah. it that. Not exactly. seeing it as a fullness creation or even ourselves as the fullness right with him so in that in in that whole in that whole paradigm what we have done is we have actually treat now treating every creation as an individual creation and not every creation as an expression of that person it's real it's real simple right which would mean Um, it was expression of us Say again? Which means it's an expression of us since Which we are means... a reproduction of that person. Exactly. It's an expression of us. Mm-hmm. So um in the in the in the whole in the whole paradigm of um of the scriptural context of of God. I think that in our westernized culture we have missed it completely. Mm. Now that is where those seven names come in. Mm-hmm. Sorry, the seven aspects of the name come in. Because in the context of the God narrative, the, the breath is breathing to the dust. And in the context of their culture, the breath and the name are one and the same. Therefore, when the man is actually created, he is, the name of God is actually trans, transmitted to him. And therefore we know that if he's a multiplication after his own kind, then the entire context of the universe, or what we call in universe today, I'm using uh, this, modern, this modern concept for those, who, um, for those who may not hear this concept, or may not have heard this concept before, because I know the concept could actually, it could, it, it could crack your mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because most Christians do not like to hear God being referred to as the universe. It's offensive. <laughs> But we should not be offended. No, we should not. It really is just a lack of understanding for those calling him the universe and those who won't call him the universe. There's missing information. Right, right. Right. So that name is actually transmitted. And if the man is named Yahweh Elohim in the garden, then we know that the concept of God, who is is all and in all, is Yahweh Elohim. So when mm-hmm. I look at the Bible, I don't see Yahweh Elohim. Like I'm look, I'm looking at Genesis. I don't see that. Where would I see these words that you're saying? I just see God. That's a good thing to look at. You mean where where, where is the name Yahweh Elohim in itself? Yeah, I'm looking at Genesis chapter one. Mm-hmm. And it says, well, in this version, the Amplified, it actually says, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created. Right. But you keep saying Yahweh Elohim, and I don't see where you're getting that from. All right, so Yahweh Elohim is actually introduced in the second chapter. Okay, I'm going to mosey on over. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right? And it is actually translated, Yahweh is translated capitalized Lord. Ah, so you're looking at verse four. Verse four, yeah, of Janet chapter two. Where you see Yahweh Elohim is actually, all through the Bible, the word Yahweh is, trans, is, is, a, is a capitalized version of the word Lord. Mm-hmm. He said chapter four, or chapter two, uh, verse, chapter four. two verse four. This is the history of the origin of the heavens and of the earth, or the heavenly earth, when they, or it, Mm -hmm. was created in the day that is the days of creation that Lord God made the earth and heavens, or the heavenly earth. You're saying that Yahweh Elohim, which you're also saying is the name, Uh is Mm -hmm. Lord God here in chapter. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. All right. So now in that in, in that in that um in that concept right there, the whole idea of the breath being breathed into the dust meant that the name is the person. See, now now do you see the reproduction after your own kind? The person who fills all things, who is all and in all, yeah. breathes this breathes his breath into dust, just like he fills all things. So the breath is breathed into dust. And that breath in particular fills all dust also. So it's mm-hmm. literally a reproduction after his own kind. It's, it, 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 do you see what I'm saying there? It's just yes. an aspect of it, though. Yeah. Are you talking about man or all things in creation? The, no, what I'm saying is that the, reproduc- the creation of man mm-hmm. is a reproduction after the kind. Right. Yes, that makes sense. He is all and all. He is all and in all, and therefore he breathes the breath into the dust. And and he, the man, is actually existing, just as he exists. Right. So man, man is now all and in all with him, breath into dust. Mm-hmm. He didn't That's hold amazing. anything back when he breathed. <laughs> no. Right. So no, that name in particular. This is where the seven aspects of the name come in, because. The concept of Elohim in the Old Testament is the ox yoked together with the other ox, which equals synchronicity. Synchronicity, where this person is yoked to um, together with you and working in union with you. And as you begin to actually become more experienced, more you become to step into you, be, you begin to be to be able to step into the leadership that he is actually guiding you in then you can actually now take on, you can take action. Mm-hmm. And this person is in union with you. Mm-hmm. Well, I so, see that concept, um, Zane, in um, Genesis chapter t- uh, 1, verse 26, where God says, let us make man, right? Mm-hmm. In our image. Exactly. In our likeness. And everything that he includes, if he's yoked to you, like the big ox and the small ox, you'll do exactly what the big ox does. Exactly. And th- that means that you can now begin to take action without even speaking to the more experienced ox. Mm-hmm. Once you have actually understood the function of a leader or how to, uh, or how to lead the plow, you can take action and the more experienced ox will actually function with you. Wow. So wow. It's, it's a synchronicity. Again, Canaan, the word Canaan means synchronicity in the Bible, and Canaan is parallel to kingdom of God in the New Testament. 
so good. All right. So now these seven, these seven aspects in particular are very, are, are very important also for us to understand. Because in the context of, in, in the context of the Bible, God is not just a person as we are limited to the understanding of a person in our Westernized culture, where we see a person as an individual, God is now, God is also a function. And if you're actually worshipping God, it's not to worship the person in the sky, it's to function like the person. To worship oh God is to function like to, God. To function so, like the person. It's almost like... Which, um, flowers are worshiping god because they're doing what they're doing what they're yes. functioning to do exactly the dog is worshiping god because he's barking mm. the sun is worshiping god because it's shining the rain so, is worshiping god because it is falling <laughs> so if you are a son and daughter of god and you're functioning like your father you are worshiping god you're worshiping god by just by by, by functioning like this person Wow. Right? And the name, the names that you're given determine how you function. Mm-hmm. So the term Yahweh Elohim, let's start, is firstly not just a label, because we use names as labels in our culture, where we actually use these things to differentiate one from the next. The name is a title. Now we use titles in our society, like Doctor, lawyer, fireman, police officer, soldier. These are titles. These are titles that actually come with an with 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 its function as an undertone. Like when you say fireman, you know the fireman is not going to actually check anybody's temperature when he arrives on the site. He's not going to give you medication. He's there because the, the term fireman means that this this is a particular function. When they arrive, they extinguish fire. If you if you go to an attorney, you don't go to your, to the attorney and say, "I am not feeling one hundred percent today. Can you give me an injection?" That because the attorney there, there's a, there's an understanding that there's a function that comes with the word attorney. There's an understanding that comes with the word doctor, and in the same way, there's an understanding that comes with the word Yahweh Elohim. So that's a title. That title mm-hmm. determines the function. Now, the meaning of what Yahweh Elohim is, is where the function is understood. So the word Yahweh means the self-existent and the eternal. The word Elohim means the one of authority and power. That means that that function, that those meanings determine your function, and therefore that translates in our culture as your mindset. You have a self-existent mindset, an, an eternal mindset. The self-existent mm-hmm. and eternal mindset, meaning that by self-existent function, you will actually live eternally. And by functioning with the mindset of authority, you are actually functioning in power. Mm. So that translates into the mindset or the logic that you're supposed to have. Now, this is actually a framework, a mental framework that you're supposed to be living from. And is this why we have to renew our minds? This is, this is where the renewal of the mind comes in, where you are actually abandoning all of the things that you have used to define yourself and, and actually begin to define yourself by this title. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And it's only then that you can have complete authority over and be not only not only complete authority because mm-hmm. the authority is really synchronicity. Mm-hmm. That's what it, that, that's what it is. Your authority is really synchronicity, where it is this, it, where the, the construct is that your thoughts fill the creation, mm-hmm. and the creation executes your thoughts. Right, like the water that Jesus walked on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well referenced. So it's not authority as we see in a solia shouting to, a, to, to another solia. It's authority in the context of you, you are actually designed to be a Elohim and your thoughts fill the universe and your father moves in synchronicity with you. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, this concept... And by the way, for those of you who hear this concept for the first time, you can go to read. You go and read. Um, you can go and read Revelation chapter three, and you see how Jesus is actually saying that the New Jerusalem that descends in the form of a city filling the earth mm-hmm. is the name of His God, and the name of the city of My God. Which means that the that the spirit of God is actually in the earth in this particular function, right? So you you, you can see the, the same concept there, of God is all and in all. Um, so that actually fills sorry sorry the, so so that so that the name is not only a, a, a label, it's a title that determines function, which translates into your mindset and your logic. The name also actually defines how the nature of your spirit works. Which means that the name defines how or what logic that you need to have for your spirit to naturally produce life, to produce power. The name also defines you as a particular species. Mm-hmm. Now, in, the, in our culture, we actually understand that we are human beings. And that's because what we have done in our culture is that we've used our physicality as a reference point to differentiate our physicality from the physicality of other creation. Right. Individualized. Individualized. In the context of the ancient Hebrews, in the garden, man is the only creature in the garden that can change his species by what he chooses as his priority. Is that making sense? And is that, that what um, Adam did in the garden? Um, that is exactly he, what Adam did. He looked well, at the tree and the serpent. He shifted his priority from his own breath to something external. Outside. Something external. So, mm-hmm. so he became the seed of the serpent by, follow, by making what the serpent said. His priority, his God. Well, this, yeah. Go ahead, Tanya. I'm sorry. Yeah, the the whole concept is still um, self-existent. That whole package, right? So if you change whichever way, if we have that changing of whichever way we think, you're still in that structure. You're going to you know be self-existent I mean? in your codependency. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you become exactly what you actually use as your reference point. Because your your 
ox, the big ox has given you that breath. <laughs> so exactly. that title so you, over you is still that title, whether you function in with father, with the ox or without him. So you still got that. Exactly. So self-existent title. And, and the whole context comes from Genesis chapter one, where it mm -hmm. says that you are created to be the image mm -hmm. and likeness. Mm-hmm. It could be the image and likeness. So whatever you make your reference point, whatever you make the priority, you have just shifted your spirit yeah. to become that species. Because you're taking on the mindset of that species and we exactly. produce from the mindset. No, in the, in the, the garden, in, yeah. the, in, that, in, in, that, in that atmosphere, within the garden, man was supposed to function from his spirit. But the, the, what we are not taught in our culture also is that in the garden narrative, there, there are only two categories, two main categories of beings. Either you are creator or you, or you are a creation. Mm. Either you're in the category of creator or you're in the creation. And man was made to, demonstrate, to, to be in the category of the creator. And is it because of the likeness and image? Yes. Because if you're using that, if you're using Yahweh Elohim as your as your reference point, which is the breath in you, then you take on the species of the person that breathed the breath into you. So my right. question that I, I feel like other, that the listeners may have is, where are you getting these seven things from? Like, so far you've said the title and the nature. You've mentioned that. Like, where where did you find those? These are this is actually found in the in, in the philosophy of, of the of, of 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 the language. It is it is not um it is not explicitly stated in the actual Bible in, in the actual scriptures. Mm -hmm. You see it across the scriptures, but is there's nowhere where you actually say, Well, okay, God's name is this. So is that where we go back to concepts and themes? Concepts of and, the language and, and the culture. Exactly. The philosophy okay. of the ancient culture. Okay, okay. All right. So in that philosophy of the language, these are the seven things that they understand when they say God's name. Mm. Right? Which is why the translation in particular, or viewing the Bible through the lens of a translator, is where all of this actually came out. Right? So that's that's the the function, the nature, the species. The other thing that the that 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 the name also defines is the realm, the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. So in the garden, God breathes breath of life into the dust, and Yahuelohim Adam is the one that actually begins to bring all creation into existence in the, in, in in their understanding of it, and therefore. The man giving order to the garden is actually him giving order to heaven, to the heavenly earth. By him ordering things in the spirit, the physical realm, the dust, which is simply, it simply exists to give visibility to the spirituality of things. Mm -hmm. He orders heaven. So the, so the, so the, the, um, the name because he is the one that, had, that, that did it and the, the garden is a reproduction after his own kind, the name literally defines how heaven works. So, so that's we, where we get into the seen and unseen. So it's the things that are 
we are able to see because of the dust and the things we can't see, like the laws and the way it functions. When they say seen and unseen, that's mm -hmm. the same thing as saying physical eyes mm -hmm. and eyes of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that's the same thing. Physical eyes, seen, unseen, the eyes of the imagination. Wow. And in the, cult, in that, in, in the context of the scripture now, mm -hmm. the realm of the garden is what you are supposed to hold your imagination responsible to in your covenant. Wow, wow, wow. So why Jesus so that, always says your words are very powerful in what you see and what you speak. It, wow. And it's not, and not only words, but even your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right? Because Jesus says my words are spirit and life. When we hear that, we think what we think in the Westernized culture that as a word. But in the context of the scripture, a word is a thought. Wow. So what right. Jesus is really saying, if we translate it into our English, is my thoughts are spirit and life. Amen. That's me. Right. Think on these things. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we think on these things. Wow, That's we have so much. We are about to, you guys, we are doing this over the next couple months, all through July and August. We're going to be diving into the name and there's so much like I know a lot of people who listening didn't even know that it was the uh, concept of an ox being yoked to another ox is where we get the concept of God and mm -hmm. not the great man in the sky sitting on the throne with little baby angels around him. Yeah, no, son. <laughs> so we have so much to dive into. I'm very excited about this, truly. You'd yeah, be waiting for that God in the sky to do things for a very long time. Mm -hmm. but we have so i'm looking forward to actually breaking that down so again well, the, the only one i didn't mention was the essence and mm -hmm. i can unpack that when when we get there because that mm -hmm. is actually specific to a light signature mm. which is also something you want to take into consideration whatever you're using as your reference point you're, you're actually mirroring the light signature or the resonance of that creation wow so so the next so over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at those seven things that's number one name as a as a title because we understand mm -hmm. it has a label already as a title next as a function as nature as species as essence and as you and as the realm of heaven Ooh, this is exciting exciting, exciting. <laughs> very exciting well you all we want to thank you so much for listening to the reboot your biblical perspective radio show with tanya woodkey courtney king and of course the producer of the show, Zane Pierre. You can learn more about us at by joining our Facebook group, The Anointed Life Mindset Mentors, or visiting our website, International Institute of Pneumatology. So thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for coming, Zane. We are humbled. We are humbled to be here. Humbled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody.